and dude, that was such a good interview. That so was amazing. I'm, amazing. I'm still, I'm still trying share. to process, uh, and I'm going to go back and listen to this. And apparently, people can, people can, they can go onto the website faithfm.com.au, go to the podcast section there, and the breakfast show. And they can listen to, to the previous programs. And I am especially going to listen to what he's had to say. I was making mm. some notes as, as he was sharing, but I was just, I was just blown away. Like I said, I'm, I'm not, not being facetious here or being over the top, but what he shared in those 10, 15 minutes that we had him on, um, has helped me more so than the last 20 years of mm. what I've been hearing out there in, uh, popular, uh, popular media and so forth when it comes to climate change. Just putting all those pieces together. It was just powerful. I think what it showed to me is that ultimately when it comes to taking care of our climate, it is something that we personally can take responsibility yeah. for. Because I think on the on the issue of global warming, uh, there's just this sense that, and, the, and it's consistently portrayed by those who are global warming activists and climate activists in that way, that it's the government's fault it's institutions' fault, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. And that doesn't mean that those people don't do, you know, negative things in terms of the climate. They do terrible, like, um, incredibly, incredible amounts of really terrible things in terms of our climate. You know, we don't have a great track track record here in Australia. We have some good things, but, you know, we're we're looking at a lot of things, the the bleaching of the coral reef and, and coal seam gas and all these things that are a big struggle. But what it ultimately showed me is that we in our personal lives can take responsibility for mm. the local issues that we have. Like, for example, like the plastic pollution that's going on, you know, into the into the Pacific Ocean. Like, we can make a stand in our own life. That's right. As and individuals. As individuals, we can take a stand against plastic. We can, you know, we look at uh, animal uh, rights and all these different things. Like, we have the ability to take a personal stand. Well, why not just go plant-based? Why not? Why, you know, if it has a mother, just don't eat it um, or don't drink it. And um, why not? Why not just focus on going back to the beginning, how God created us and the fuel that he gave us to the very. And that would that would help. I mean, how much how much pollution, how much um, degradation? We talked about forest, you know, the forest being raped and pillaged and um, and destroyed. And and the majority of that is. In, in order to produce, in order to produce meat. Let's just put it out there for what it is. And so if we decided to take care of our health and it's healthier in the long run, um, to enjoy a plant-based diet, then, um, you know, we're, we're going to save the environment. We're going to save the animals. We're going to have better health. Hallelujah. God's yeah. way is best all around. It's hey. like not rocket science. You don't need a scientist to tell you that. <laughs> Genesis Amen. 1 and 2 tells you that. And it goes even further than just like the climate itself. You know, people also make, oh, but make the point that, oh, yeah, but the, the meat industry or these industries, they create large workforces and they keep the economy going. And then you, you take just a closer look at a closer look at where we source these particular things from. And then you find that it, it's economy that people are benefiting on the back of, you know, workers who don't even get paid. Mm. Like fishing boats where people are getting paid like a dollar a day. Like this mm. is this is yeah. the reality. And so yeah. we need to stop and take a look at ourselves and say, yeah. you know, what are we supporting? What are we doing? And actually be intentional with, you know, in our personal circle, our purchases and whatnot, but it'll be good because there are people who their personal circles are, you know, whether they're a a local leader or a politician or whatever, their personal circle is, oh, well, I have the ability in and of myself to make big changes. 
And so I'm just hoping that in the future we can see a world where that happens. I just got a text here, actually. You, you're talking about the kingdom of God when Jesus comes. Oh, yeah. That, so that basically, is the, the ultimate potential of where we will see you when, know, Jesus creates, when Jesus creates a new heaven and a new earth. That's when we're going to experience and, that. And because it's not going to be left to man's hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just got a text here from a listener. They said, "In Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't trust pastors either in his time." <laughs> so, so sorry, sorry about oh, that. Have mercy! I knew there would be some bright spark out there, but the good news is the pastors of today are not like the pastors of Jesus' day. Hardly, hardly. Oh yeah. Hardly. Okay. <laughs> okay, Danny. Danny. Nah. Danny, we talk. Nah, the we... hole is the hole is getting bigger. If I continue on, so but it's true. <laughs> the only one that we can trust is the Lord. Who was that, Melissa? No, no, that who was, was that. Uh, who was that that sent that Raphael. through? Raphael. Raphael, good on you, Raphael. <laughs> Proverbs three, five, and six: Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, and do not lean on any pastor. Yeah. And in or all your, your ways. Own. All your own, exactly so. Oh, yeah. so God good. bless you, Raphael. Okay. Keeping us on the straight and narrow. All right, we're going to get into our Bible study this Fantastic. morning. Fantastic, love it, love Better it. Better covenant. Okay, so just to kind of recap what we've been looking at the last couple of days, uh, we've been going over it. Well, last week we did the Sabbath as a sign of a covenant. P- powerful stuff. Mm. Um, about and we, and we looked at the covenant itself during that time. It's like, you know, okay, what qualifies the Sabbath to be a sign of the covenant. Well, the sab- uh, the covenant is all about God doing all the work to save us mm. um, and us just accepting. And that is the agreement that we have with God. As God is like, I will do everything for you. You need to accept by faith. And, and, and it's like, what better of a sign than the Sabbath to represent that? A day where we go by faith away from any of our work, any of our worldly problems, and we just spend time with Jesus recognizing who he is, mm. which is our great savior, our great, uh, you know, the lover of our soul, uh, you know, the one who is ever striving for us to be saved. Then we came to this week, and we're looking at the differences between the Old and the New Covenant. And what we've discussed the last couple of days is how, actually, the Old and the New Covenant, contrary to maybe popular Christian belief or consensus, which uh, John Ashton mentioned before, (laughs) is not a good scientific method, and it's not a good method to look at the truth of the Bible. Uh, The consensus among people is that, oh, there's an Old Covenant that applies to Jewish people, and there's a New Covenant that applies to everyone else. And we'll get to heaven, and there will be Moses in heaven. He's like, you know, Moses will be in heaven and he'll ask us how we're saved and we'll say oh well we're saved by grace and he'll be like well i was saved by keeping the law when the bible is so clearly that is just not the reality of course it's not and never has been it never has been the covenant of grace has always existed the new covenant has always existed and what what we've identified that the old covenant was is that it was agreement between god and his people where his people entered an agreement with god and said all right god uh, we've realized that you're going to do everything for us and you're going to be with us and bless us and all these things. And in response, we are going to keep all your laws. And all the things that you have said we shall do. And of course, uh, how did that go? Well, we know how it went. Moses hadn't even come back with the Ten Commandments from yeah. Mount Sinai uh-huh. and they had already, and they had already, you know, gone uh-huh. into, um, spiritual moral meltdown yeah. thereby, you know, erecting that golden calf. So. Full on idolatry. They're yeah. just, they're just lost, bro. Yeah. Lost. And, it, and it, I guess it's a great object lesson for us today. And it shows us when we're trying to follow God on our terms. 
mm. in our own ways, even if it's in the method of strict legalism. Uh, because that's an interesting thought uh, that you know to mention is that I think you know whenever we talk about oh following God my way, we talk about disobedience in in the sense of like oh you know people just want to follow God their way and give small acknowledgement to Him while living a a really bad life or whatever it may be. But what we see here is even strict legalism itself leads to that problem, that Mm. heart problem and, and ultimate disobedience of him. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. We're going to go to uh, our first verse today. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to read verse 7 and 8 and see where the Bible study is taking us today in terms of, uh, you know, how this new covenant is a better covenant than the old one. So let's read uh, verse 7 and 8 of Hebrews chapter 8. You can get that for us, Denny. Sure. It says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Mm, so it begins here to just, oh, I love how it lays it out here. It's like, okay, what was the problem with the old covenant? Now, there are many people. It tells that, you. It tells you. This is the amazing. Finding fault with them. With them. With the people. Oh, me and Renee talked about this yesterday. It's like, man, how can people miss this point? Like, they, they miss the point of the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It's like, do they not read what the Bible says? And Because it, it tells us here what the fault of the Old Covenant is. There's so many people who would love to make the point, well, the Old Covenant, the problem with it was the law of God. But then the Bible, because the, the whole rest of the oh, Bible is like the law is perfect and holy and never changes. Look, obviously, the Ten Commandments are a problem. The law of God is a problem because, I mean, who wants to be faithful to their wife? You know, who wants to preserve the life of their neighbor? I mean, who wants to tell the truth? Really? I mean, you know, who doesn't want to covet? You know, who wants to respect their mum and dad? I uh-huh. mean... Of course, there's a problem with the Ten Commandments. Who wants to keep those Ten Commandments as if that's going to be in the best interest of our society and our families in general? Oh, that's so funny. I love the sar- <laughs> Sorry, sarcasm. The sarcasm, I know it comes out. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing my best to keep that under control. But, I mean, it's just, it's just such a ridiculous... Um, idea. It just doesn't make sense on any level. You know, we had John Ashton here, Dr. John Ashton, just a little while ago, mm. trying to, trying to make sense of this global warming, you know, mm. uh, issue by, by taking a look at the evidence, you know, in the last 2000 years and putting everything in perspective yeah, and wow. in the context. And when we come up with these silly arguments, and they really are, they're, they're, they're absolutely silly to say that, you know, we are no longer under the law. Yeah. Are you serious? I, like, like you try and go from A to B. You try and go from your home to, to, to the petrol station to work and there you are not under law. No one is under law on the roads. Let's see how you go. Yeah. I well, mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, no one's, we live, we live in a land that has laws and we, we, we only are happy as, as, you know, and, if, if we have laws and so forth, there's the law of gravity. Mm. You see how well you do if you don't go by the law of gravity <laughs> the next time you're on a 20-story building. Well, don't, you know, don't. Please don't do please that. Please don't do that. <laughs> but um, you know what I mean? So God's law is holy. It's good. It's just there is nothing wrong with God's mm. principles of love. And so 
yeah, I don't understand that, yeah. and um, and I do pull people up when they when they do bring up because I don't think people think things through. Mm. They don't, you know, they've heard someone say something, but they've never really thought it through. They've never sort of, you know, taken it to yeah. its its end degree. And that's the thing. Like it, the problem with their argument is not only that it's not logically sound, which it isn't, but that it's also baseless. This was something that we talked when we when we did the week on Sabbath. We talked about how. Well, the Sabbath kind of doesn't really make sense from that perspective. It's like, oh, why wouldn't God, you know, there's so many reasons you can make. Like, oh, but if you work every day, you're more productive, da 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 Like, from a, from a secular perspective, it's like, oh, what's the point of keeping the Sabbath? But then, you know, it's, it's made so clear uh, to us that, you know, that, yes, whilst the Sabbath in, on some level can seem illogical, in fact, that's probably the best reason why it's assigned to keep a covenant with well, God. Well, now you know, it's, it's been scientifically proven. Proven now, that it that, actually is. Yeah, yeah. That, that our bodies are designed in a, in a seven-day rhythm. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, To work six days and to rest the seventh day. And, mm. um, and even nature itself yeah. um, is designed in this seven-day seven yeah. you know, cycle and rhythm. So, yeah, it makes sense and there's logical basis for it. And we see here as well the logical basis for, mm. the, for, for the law, that the yeah. law is good and holy and that here we see this is just sound, uh, sound theology, just sound. You read the Bible and it says, okay, this is the problem, the people, the people are the problem. The people have always been the problem. The people have you know, ever always since our been first parents, Ever since our first parents wandered away from God and his plan and his ways, we have mm. always been the problem. Okay, so we're going to see what exactly their problem was, and we're going to read about it in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. So let's take a just a page, let's go a page back to Hebrews chapter 4, um, and let's read, you can get first verse 2. Verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Mm. Oh, there you go. So this is he's, he's Paul speaking. He says uh, the gospel. This is in the book of Hebrews. He's speaking about you know the the those who have accepted Christ out of Jews and Gentiles, literally you know everyone, uh, versus the Jews that have it. Because he's specifically speaking to the Jewish community, and he says uh, you know we see we accepted the gospel. Uh, it was preached to us, and it was preached to them as well. Um, but the word which they heard did not profit them. It's like okay. They were not profited by the message of grace. And that's exactly what the new covenant and the covenant, the everlasting covenant is. This message of grace that they were saved by having faith in Jesus, you know, through grace. It didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith when they heard it. Mm. And now this, like, again, gives us some insight into why they would make a covenant with God that they could not keep. Why they would be like, oh, everything that because, God has commanded. Because they, they they believed Lawson that they could do it in their own strength. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to you know, going back to you know, our 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 greatest Achilles heel as as a human race that we can do this in our own strength. And that's how we grow up, you know, little kids. I remember my little girl Genevieve, you know, one of the first things out of her mouth was, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. You know, um, and so that's that's just part of our DNA, our, our sinful DNA, mm. whereby you know faith is cooperating with God and through His strength mm. being able to do. You know, I will put you know a new heart in you. I'll put my spirit within you. You know, Ezekiel thirty six, and um, you know Hebrews eleven is just so clear. You know that faith chapter that 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 you know heroes of faith. 
that hall of faith chapter is all about by faith, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Moses, you know, by faith, by faith, by faith, all of them by faith. Mm-hmm. Um, were were obedient to God and to His promises and followed mm-hmm. Him by faith. It's just so clear. I mean, the whole chapter is dedicated to it. How <laughs> yeah. do we how do we get that they in the Old Testament were saved under a different covenant than we are? That we're saved by faith yeah. through grace in Jesus Christ, yet they were saved by works through yeah. obedience. I mean. When Hebrews eleven Hebrews expressively 11, makes a whole the chapter, point that a whole chapter single, is dedicated to it. Every single righteous person in the Old Testament had the ability to do what they do and further be saved because of their faith. By faith, and, and it. it's and we're not talking about a, a you know this prosperity gospel notion of faith that oh if you just get more faithful then God will bless you if you if th- again that's kind of putting it on you the work that you need to do mustering up as much faith as possible and just white knuckling on to this idea of faith no 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 that's not the faith we're talking about here but it's the belief it's the the mental change the belief that God really is who He says He is. And that he is going to do what he says he is going to do. Yeah. Amen. And now, what what is that faith? What were they faithful to? We know that they're faithful to God, but but what was that that big step for them that meant that they could have that faith? What piece of information for them was like, okay, I can I can be faithful that God really is who He says He is. That He's going to do what He says He's going to do. That that I am going to be able to do the things that He's called me to do and further be well, saved. Well, that's because that's because God always initiates. You know, you mentioned yes. that at the beginning. And you take a look at the Ten Commandments. The mm. Ten Commandments are, are just a, a beautiful example of mm. this. The the very first commandment doesn't begin with you know Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It doesn't begin with those words. Most of us think it does, but it begins with the previous words, which are I am the Lord your God who has taken you out of mm. slavery, out of the house of bondage. Therefore, yes. you shall have no other gods before me. Mm. So God saves us and then he invites us into a covenant relationship based on faith. God is, you know, he's, he's the bridegroom. Jesus Christ is pictured as the bridegroom. We are pictured as the bride. Who traditionally proposes? The the Traditionally. Group, I'm the not groom. talking about, yeah, the, group, the, the, the groom. groom. The groom, the groom yeah. gets on his knee and he proposes, okay? He initiates mm-hmm. um, that, that, that love action. And so God initiates that love action and he invites us to respond. The same thing in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God went out looking for them. Where are you? And then they were able to respond. In our next section, we're going to be talking exactly about how God initiated. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Sinners ate in their house, and the next clue is that this person is one of the disciples. Of Jesus. Of, of Jesus. One of the, he's, okay, I'll go further. It's one of the twelve. One of the twelve. So, if you know who this is, give us a call. One, uh, sorry, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you can win the prize. Creation and evolution: a thoughtful look at the evidence that a master designer created our planet by Dwight K. Nelson. Epic stuff. Okay, before we went into that song, we were talking about you know the faith. That you know that that we are now that we now enter this new covenant in with, um, and the faith that even those in the Old Testament who were under the old covenant also had. 
because the new covenant has always existed, you know, uh, and, and this idea that, yes, this new covenant relationship has always been existed, it's always been based on faith and not this idea that we are to be, you know, super humanly faithful and that, it, again, it relies on us. But as we've read in, in Hebrews 8 so many times, you know, that God will do the work, writing the laws on our hearts and all these different things. But I want to look at specifically now, what is it that they had faith in? Like what? What? What event was it? What did did it mean that oh God is is going to do everything for me? And this question is going to be answered in Hebrews chapter nine. So, Denny, if you can read for me Hebrews chapter nine verses eleven and twelve and thirteen and yeah, eleven to fourteen. Okay, Hebrews nine eleven to fourteen. Here we go. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Mm. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, Mm. having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Mm. Wow. It's so simple. It is so simple. but And clear. Like clear, yes. Very clear. And it, it makes this point. It's like, okay, why do we get to enjoy a new covenant relationship with where God did all the work? What is the work that God did? Well, Christ came down. He died in our place, and then he acts as our high priest. He intercesses for us in every single way. He does the work that we couldn't do. Mm. And this is the thing. Like, many people have died. Yeah. Many people have lost their life. Many people, you know, have acted as high priests, but none of them could fulfill what Christ had done. I think I, uh, we we on our program yesterday on looking up. And by the way, can I can I give a little plug for 100%. our Wednesday 100%. afternoon? Lyle said, Danny, make sure you plug your Wednesday afternoon looking up program on a, a three thirty to five thirty. We talked about Israel in prophecy, and and we discovered that Jesus Christ fulfilled all the promises of the covenant. Jesus Christ, mm. he. He, he was victorious where sadly the nation of Israel, um, fell and failed. And, um, the book of Matthew, you know, goes through and, um, and, and records how Jesus Christ fulfilled, you know, all, all the requirements of the covenant. He fulfilled them because he was faithful to the end. All the way through, if you take a look at the comparisons, you know, from, from the two Josephs, you know, Joseph, the father of Jesus, you know, well, I guess, you know, you could say the, 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 the stepfather of Jesus. Um, you know, to Joseph in the Old Testament, you know, and they both they both go down to Egypt, but they both come up out of Egypt. Mm. Um, you know, they go through, um, you know, the Red Sea, the baptism and the Red Sea. The wilderness. Uh, the wilderness, the 40 days, the 40 years, you know, the mm. the Mount Sinai experience, the, the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. experience, the unpacking of God's law, you know, all the, the way through. Disciples the 12 disciples representing Israel. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, so, so you see Jesus Christ. He, he, he succeeds where we fail, you know, and, and, um, and so that's the, that's the better covenant. That's the new covenant where Christ, he has, he has been victorious where we have failed. And And in his victory, 
in his victory that we claim by faith. And he gives us the gift of obedience. Obedience is a gift from God. It's not something mm-hmm. that we have. Otherwise, if if obedience was to be of us, it's always through selfish motives mm. because only God is able to give us pure and holy and undefiled motives. And I think that's ultimately what the old covenant amounts to, which is a tragic object lesson of people trying to fulfill the covenant by themselves, not being able to. And it's the object lesson for, for us today. It's like, okay, this is what a life without Jesus, even in the faith, looks like. Yeah. And but then it's like the replacement of that, and the, the ultimate God's ultimate response to that is Jesus doing everything. Can I just mention this? You know, the old and new covenant is illustrated um, in 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 a powerful way right at the beginning of time with Cain and Abel. Mm. We've got Abel who, under the new covenant principles, offers God, you know, a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. Whereas Cain says no. I'm going to do it my way. That's that's the old that's the old covenant. That's the mm-hmm. old covenant. I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting in Hebrews eleven four. It starts off by d- describing the faith of Abel. It says, "By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks." So, so though Abel is dead, his faith still speaks in that he responded to, he embraced what the New Testament speaks of, this better covenant. Mm. He embraced Christ. All the way through the Old Testament, we have the heroes of faith. So we too, like the Old Testament heroes of faith, can embrace this new covenant experience where God's law is placed within our hearts and within our minds. And I love too with that illustration as well, like something that's just really important to point out is that it wasn't that Cain offered the you know bad sacrifice and then God punished him for it or that God, you know, killed him or something. It was actually violence that welled up within Cain himself that led him to kill Abel. And I think, like, what it shows us today is that, you know, basically, like, when we don't have God, like, it leads us to sin, and that is on us. Like, this is this is something that we can take responsibility for, I think. You know, and, and the same thing happened with the children of Israel, is that when they tried to have that faithless old covenant experience with God, that led them to sin mm. as well. And and I just think that that's, that's another really huge point in accepting the new covenant. It's kind of like, kind of like an Alcoholics Anonymous, like an addiction experience of saying to God, like, I am a sinner in need of salvation. Mm. I... And, like, I don't have the ability to do this. I am fallen. I am corrupt. I am broken. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. Well, someone someone pointed out a great definition for sin. Sin is separation from God. Mm. You know, when you separate from God, it leads to sin. Sin Mm. equals separation from God. And so, like, you know, that separation, it's caused by us. Mm. God isn't rejecting us. No, it's caused by us. And we need to recognize, like, this is where I'm at. I need to give up my sin, but I need to come back to God. I need to get him to help me because I am broken. Amen. And there are definitely people out there listening Amen. today. I know they're out there listening and they're thinking, man, I want to come back to God. Pray Amen. to him. Pray to him. Pull over the car. You know, turn down the radio. Pray to him and say, God, please work in my heart. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. That means we have now come to the... 
question of the day. Okay, our question of the day is a bit of a hectic one. Uh, we have been directly called out. Uh, and that's a great thing. We love it when people uh, respond and, and are listening and they respond and they have questions, they have things to say. And even if they're not entirely pleased with what we're talking about, we have a question here. It's why do you, uh, SDAs, like specifically us, make vegetarianism a law when Jesus ate fish and lamb and even made a miracle out of it? Mm. That's that's heavy. Mm. That's heavy. That's a good. That's a good question, I'm, and it deserves uh, uh, an answer, a 100%. respectful biblical answer. Okay, I'm going to make a few quick points. Uh, you can jump yeah. in too, Danny, to make a few quick points just on on my thought on this. Why is it that we make a point out of vegetarian? I'm going to say first that um, it is not a requirement to be a vegetarian to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, I know many Seventh-day Adventists who aren't vegetarian, It's but it's something that we heavily encourage. And it's because of these. I'm going to give you two principles here. The first one is, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Uh, then further goes on in, in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 28, it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, of the heaven, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So what this gives to us is a principle of stewardship of the earth to do our best to look after the earth and and those that are in it and what that looked like at that time is you know they didn't eat animals at all they just ate you know nuts and fruit and grains grains and and those kinds of things the bible then gives us a principle in first corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 it says do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is within you whom you have received from god you are not your own you are brought at a price therefore honor god with your bodies so we see two principles here stewardship over the earth and stewardship over our bodies and that is because god owns everything and we are called to be good managers over them now just to i guess preface a little bit of what i'm going to say in the future why we why we appeal to vegetarian we also we believe that it is law to keep the health laws of god as christians today now people would say well wasn't that just for the jews wasn't that done with wasn't that ceremonial but no in the jerusalem council in acts chapter 15 as it closes it said you know we will give to god's people no other burdens than these this is what the gentiles should do and it says uh, to abstain from things offered to idols, from bloods, and from things strangled. So it has a health portion here. And then it says from sexual immor- and from sexual immorality. And now it talks. It references these two laws. And by reference, we're supposed to keep the the rest of those laws, which is it references the Ten Commandments with sexual immorality. What it's not saying here is don't be sexually immoral, but it's okay to kill. You know, very clearly. What it's doing is by by implication, it says, okay, the Ten Commandments, and then it also gives reason for the health laws as well. And so we know that, oh, what is it that we're supposed to keep? The health laws and the Ten Commandments. Now, how does this apply to us, and why do we decide to be vegetarian? Now, we, we were actually talking with John Ashton. One of the biggest problems that we're facing in our world today in terms of, you know, climate catastrophe is, you know, the degradation of our world that is coming from factory farming. Um, so it's like, from that perspective, it's not a good moral choice and it's not a good uh, stewardship choice to eat meat um, because you are contributing to one of the most devastating industries in our world today. Secondarily to that, We've there's been plenty of scientific research done. You can watch a movie called Game Changers, which kind of condenses all of that. That shows that a plant-based diet is 
the healthiest way to go for us. It'll give us longevity in life. It will make us happier and healthier and overall give a, lead us to a better life. And if those two principles uh, that God gives us leads us to a vegetarian diet, well, then it's like, oh, well, I guess that that's a really good thing to do. It's in line with the principles and the character of God. And therefore, it would be a good thing to do. And that's why many veget- uh, sorry, many Adventists today live as vegetarians because they're like, this is the best way to go about it. From a stewardship perspective, uh, in keeping with the Jerusalem Council, you know, that the, the Christian church, the burdens that they put on the Gentiles were no more than these, than to keep the health laws uh, that God gives them and to furthermore, you know, to... Um, to keep the Ten Commandments. And so now it's mentioned here in this question, oh, well, what about Jesus? He ate fish and lamb. Well, my point there is that it's like the principle is health for ourselves and health for the world. And it's like, you know, did it take away from the health of the world for Jesus to eat fish and lamb in his time? You know, was it contributing no. to factory farming? No. Was it contributing to, you know, his negative health as well? Well, I would say in that time, no. You know, they didn't have heavily polluted waters with fish full of mercury. They weren't eating, you know, lamb that was pumped full of hormones. Mm. It was it was natural. It was not God's plan from the beginning. It was very clear in the Garden of Eden that they didn't eat meat. But it makes sense that, yeah, Jesus would do that. What are your thoughts, Danny? Uh, my thoughts are, yeah, I, I agree with what you've said. And I, I've always taken the view that um, we ought to enjoy the best of that which is available to us. Mm-hmm. And you can live in some communities. Um, you know, we're blessed here in Australia. We've got a wide array of fruits and vegetables, nuts and grains and so forth, you know, all year round. You know, we're blessed, you know, by and large. Um, but in some communities, um, they don't have access to, to, to su- such a widespread of fruits yeah. and vegetables and so forth. So they need to, um, yeah, they need to have in supplement. their diet, supplement yeah. that with, um, with, with animal products. And that's not a problem a- mm-hmm. at all. And that's biblical. As long as you're eating clean meat, the yeah. Bible does no. talk about the clean and unclean meat, even before the days of Noah. Mm-hmm. But God stipulated that once again, you know, from Noah and onwards. So I think we need to look at this in a balanced way. We need to ask ourselves, what is best for us? What's best for our environment? Yep. You know, what's God's ultimate plan? And we've got to remember, you know, in the days of Jesus, they didn't have almost 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Um, and so, we're, you know, we can't compare what was taking place back then to what is taking place. So we've got to take a look at things from a balanced, biblical, yep. holistic point of view. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.